Today's date is October 3rd, 2021. We are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 25, starting with There is a Solution, up to and including If You Are a Seriously Alcohol, ending the top of page 26 to make the effort. Our reader of the text is Maya, and um, the reading will be followed by a 20-minute share by Blythe uh, from Iowa. So Maya, if you'd like to start the reading, please. Yes, of course. Hi, this is Maya. I'm a compulsive overreader. So there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for, for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We had found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have re revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Maya. And now um, it's my pleasure to introduce Blythe from Iowa. She will be sharing her experience, strength, and hope with us this morning. Good morning. My name is Blythe. I am a compulsive overeater, bulimic, anorexic. Um, hi, everyone. I am recovered today by the grace of God, by the uh, 12 steps and the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and I am so, so grateful to be here. And thank you, Kim, for asking me to do this. And uh, grateful to be abstinent today, every day that I am abstinent is a miracle and uh, I don't take that for granted. I'm not from Iowa. <laughs> I have lots of friends in Iowa, but I am not from Iowa. I'm uh, originally from Chicago and I now live in Miami Beach, Florida. So there is a solution. How blessed are we that we have a solution? Um, I know that before um, 
this book was written. There were uh, other doctors who had tried to understand this disease, uh, this uh, ism that we have of compulsive overeating, uh, hopeless state of body and mind. Um, and there were, there were doctors who could explain the disease, but they could not explain it enough and come up with a solution. So that there is a solution and we get to benefit from it is such a gift. Um, so on page 20, before we get to page 24, Bill tells us that he's gonna answer three questions. And uh, the, the three questions are, um, why did we get so sick? How did we, and why did we recover from a hopeless condition of mind and body? And what do I have to do, or what do we have to do? What do we have to do <laughs> to get better and to stay better? And um, by the time we get to this page, he has already explained to us why we've gotten so sick, um, and which is pretty much step step one in the problem. And you know, we have a allergy of the body. We have an obsession of the mind. Um, we are powerless. Uh, we are um, uh, we are sick. We are sick. When I got here, and um, you people told me I was sick and that I had an illness and it wasn't my fault. That was the best news I could hear because I really didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, just to give you a little bit of background before I go on with the page, um, my first OA meeting was in June of 1988. My first day of abstinence was July of July 10th of 1989. Um, I have been abstinent ever since. That was my first miracle. That was my first psychic change that I could go from one day of binging, 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 and then the next day following a food plan and then following it again the next day and then the next day and then 10 days and 20 days and two years and five years. Um, I never stopped coming back to OA and I was so desperate that I was willing to do things I was not willing to do. And that's my definition of willingness, doing things I don't wanna do. Um, so he starts out with no, almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of the pride, you know, the self-searching steps four and five, the leveling of our pride, step six and seven, the confession of shortcomings, eight and nine, which is a process required for successful consummation. That, uh, but we saw it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. I didn't like anything when I got here. I was angry. I was so angry. I was not grateful. Um, I was full of self-pity. And I didn't want to do any of this at all. Um, but I did. Had, I had come to believe in the hopelessness and the futility of life. And I really believe that it's important before I can receive this solution, 
I have to first understand my problem. And my problem is that state of hopelessness. That's step one, that um, I'm hopeless. And I think that when we get to step two and we get some real hope in this program, my experience is the first time I've gotten real hope. I had a lot of false hope, but to get real hope, um, that happened for me here. And when, you know, when I work with people and they come in and they're really hopeful and I'm a little concerned because what I wanna see first is that hopelessness because that's what it took for me, that gift of desperation to really know that I am powerless and I'm basically screwed. And on my own, I will always be screwed. I will always eat. Um, I will always do what I always did. And then I will always get what I always got. And that way, my way did not work. So I know in the AA 12 and 12, it says that many less desperate alcoholics tried AA, but did not succeed because they could not make the admission of hopelessness. So I think this is really, really important that we, that we do come to believe before we come to believe in the solution, we come to believe in the hopelessness of this um, uh, uh, illness that I have that's of my body and my mind. And then I come to find out that I have a spiritual malady that requires a spiritual solution. So no, I didn't want to do any of those things. And I, and I was thinking this morning, you know, if we went into a uh, hospital and we said to some cancer patients, you know, um, we have a solution for you. And we said, you know what, all you have to do is this, you know, you do an inventory, self-searching, um, swallow your pride and ask God to remove your defects of character, you know, go admit the things you've done wrong. And, um, you know, be willing to accept spiritual help. And we can promise you that you could be well. Can't be cured, but you could be well. And I don't think those cancer patients are going to argue with us. <laughs> Comes to alcoholics and compulsive overeaters, we're like, mm, I don't know about this. I'm not so sure. Um, let me think about it. And I did a lot of kicking and screaming. You know, and I really wanted to die. I did not want to live. And I kept waking up and I kept living. And things got worse for me before they got better. In these rooms, I didn't think I could get one day of abstinence. I really, I, I never relapsed because I couldn't get a day. So you can't call it a relapse if every day you're in the food. Um, and then Bill goes on to tell us that, um, you know, we, we saw that it worked in others. And, and you cannot argue with evidence that we see in these rooms. We do have evidence right here of recovery. And that was very attractive to me. I was angry, but I really did want what people who were recovered had. And um, so when therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing, no thing left for us but to pick up the simple kit 
of spiritual tools laid at our feet. When we were approached, a woman who is my sponsor today, 30 some years ago, came up to me and reached out to me and she handed me her phone number because she thought I was gonna die. She said, call me. She reached out, that's what we do. I made the phone call. I called her, she's my sponsor today. I didn't realize at the time that my calling her was my willingness to, um, I guess, do what I needed to do. Um, and I called her and um, I was able to be honest with her and she helped me accept myself exactly as I was. She didn't say, oh my God, you shouldn't be doing that and you should be eating this and you should be, should be, should be, should be. She said, of course you're eating, you're a compulsive reader. If you could stop, you would. And she helped me and she, she talked about God higher power. She talked about the spiritual solution. And I didn't call her a sponsor at first because I didn't want to be told what to do. I was a little defiant. Eventually I called her a sponsor. Um, nothing left for us to do, but pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. The steps, saw the steps laid at our feet, you know, Bill talks about where our feet are a lot, our footing, our positioning. Um, that's real important. Where are my feet? Not just my mouth. And, you know, I have to, it's almost like the longer I am abstinent, the more I am challenged by that. My ego, um, and of course a disease that continues to progress will continue to challenge me and look at, you know, where are my feet? What am I doing? Not what am I saying? We have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had never dreamed, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that I would have the freedom that I have today from food, from the obsession about my weight, from the obsession about how I look, um, all the outside obsessions, when I say outside of myself, that were so important to me. I had to be stripped of all of that. I had to lose all of that before God could do anything with me. Rocketed into the fourth dimension. You know, as long as I was sick and I was in my untreated compulsive overeating, I couldn't even comprehend a fourth dimension. So just to share with, um, you know, my understanding of the fourth dimension today, um, and I wrote down um, in, the, in uh, Bill's story, he talks about the, uh, the fourth dimension. He says, I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Uh, that was on page eight. On page 13, I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all 
my problems. And then I paid for page 14. There was a sense of victory followed by such a peace and serenity as I had never known. There was utter confidence. I felt lifted up. And then on page 16, most of us feel we need look no further from utopia. We have it with us here and now. And I heard Joe and Charlie say, steps one, two, three are about my connection with God. Steps four, five, six, seven, my connection with myself. Eight and nine with others. And 10, 11, and 12 are the steps that keep me in the fourth dimension where I am connected with the whole universe. I am in harmony. And that is as long as I am doing this work because I wake up with an untreated disease. I believe that I wake up in the morning and I have to start immediately with my connection with my higher power and with the surrender um, so that I could live as best as possible <laughs> as a human can live in harmony with the world. Um, okay, so then it says, uh, the great fact is just this, nothing less. So, so now, Bill, I said he was going to answer three questions. So now what he's doing is he's telling us um, how and why did we recover? And he's telling us that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows and toward God's universe. Thank you, Dr. Young, Carl Young. Thank you, Dr. Silkworth. Thank you, those um, people of medicine um, and of course, religion, but the people of medicine who helped us understand the problem and then helped us to understand that we needed to have a spiritual experience to get well. The missing link for, in my puzzle anyway. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us. I've learned that God doesn't do things to me. He does things for me. Those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. And of course, in the 12 and 12, in the 12 step, I think there's a beautiful explanation of that spiritual experience, that spiritual awakening that we have as the result of these steps. Um, that I can do things, I can be things, I can see things, I can say things that I never could do on my own unaided will. This last paragraph, one of my very favorites. It, it, you know what, I didn't ask if somebody is gonna give me like a five minute warning or anything because I could go on for hours and hours. So do we do that here? Does anybody give a little we, we don't, but I have a timer on. You have about three to four minutes, Blythe. Okay, I better get through this quickly then. Thank you, Kim. Um, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, if you are as seriously compulsive overeater as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. This is where black and white is really 
to me, it's, it's black or white. It's either or. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, A, my life is unmanageable. I cannot manage my life. Um, B, no human power could relieve my compulsive overeating. God could and would if he were sought. We are talking about the second step, which to me is really a state of being step. Yet I take an action to seek God. Um, we had but two alternatives. And I just love this part. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. When I put down the food, my state of being is a consciousness of an intolerable situation. Food is not my problem. Food is my solution. Food helps me with this consciousness of a very intolerable situation. So for me to put down the food, I don't get sober. I don't feel better. I feel worse. So I'm either going to blot out with food or any other things we can use to blot it out. That's an um, intolerable consciousness of the intolerable situation. Or I'm going to have to feel the consciousness of that intolerable situation. And when I first put down the food, that's what I had to feel until I could experience the steps. And that's why I had to, as soon as I put the food down, I had to be in the steps. Um, today, the most important thing is the consciousness of the presence of God. That replaces the consciousness of that intolerable situation. I could either do that or I can accept spiritual help. It doesn't say I could ask for spiritual help because I can ask for it and not accept it. Or I could accept spiritual help. I have to be willing to accept it. You can reach out and give me a gift and I could choose to accept it or not accept it. It says we have but two alternatives. Alternatives means I have a choice. Okay, two alternatives, two possible choices. Bill doesn't talk about choice except in a couple places in the big book when he says, well, what will our choice be? Or what is our choice to be? Usually in relation to God. And there's two places and I'd have to go and look. And if I had more time, I would. But here it tells me I have two choices. This is where my will comes in. I could choose to accept spiritual help or I could choose to continue to blot out this state of being with food or I can try to white knuckle it, not use food and still have to struggle with this horrible state of being. And that was my life before recovery. I was either white knuckling or I was in the food. I was never free. I was never recovered. I never could have imagined. 
So then it tells me this we, this we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. So I hear people say, it's not for people who want it. It's not for people who need it. It's for people who do it. And here it says, willing to make the effort. To me, that means to do it. I have to be willing to make the effort. I don't do it perfectly, but I do it. I do it to the best of my ability. I honestly wanted to when it got bad enough. It takes a lot of pain for me to wanna to do a lot of these things. And that's why I made the comparison to a cancer patient who would probably graciously do these things in a heartbeat. And for some reason, you know, I did a lot of kicking and screaming, a lot of self-pity, a lot of anger, a lot of all that stuff that I think probably everybody in this room can identify with um, before I was willing to surrender. This is about surrender. This is about admitting that my way isn't working and I had to be willing to set aside everything that I thought I knew. And I love that set aside prayer and I still do that every day. I have to set aside everything that I think I know still today because I think I know. And even though I know I don't know, I still sometimes act like I think I know, if that makes any sense. Like this takes work and we have the steps, we have the solution. Um, I am so grateful for it. I am so grateful for um, the solution. And um, what I do and continue to do is go to meetings, is call my sponsor, is live in the steps, lots of service. I work with a lot of women. I am so blessed to have women in my life who help me probably more than I help them. Um, and I still have a sponsor and I need to check things out because when I'm in the picture, I can't see the picture. I could see your picture real clearly. <laughs> I can give you all kinds of, you know, words of wisdom. But when I'm in my picture, I need to ask for help. I need to um, 10, 11, 12. You guys know the drill. And if you don't, and if you're new, you will know it. And if you're brand new and this sounds like Chinese to you, don't worry about it because I didn't have a clue what anybody was talking about when I first got here, when they talked about working the steps. So um, I have all kinds of notes here on this page and I don't know that I addressed a lot of them, but I guess what's the most important thing here is I need to know the problem. I need to know it in the depth of my being so that I can receive the solution. And we are so blessed to have a solution. And I know tomorrow's or next week's reading, we're going to get to hear about um, wonderful Carl Jung, who is the reason Bill Wilson will, will say that, well, if he were alive, 
that A didn't start with him and Bob, it started with Carl Jung. And um, let me see. Um, how am I doing on time? You're over. I don't want to interrupt you. But you oh, oh, okay. I'm thinking. Oh my God! I thought for sure I would be okay. Well, then, then let me just uh, close it up and um, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be here. I, when I came into recovery and the meeting was on gratitude, I said the only thing I'm grateful for is that I can tell you that I'm not grateful. This was a safe place to, to be real and tell you what I really felt and really thought. And that's how it started for me. Um, so guys, thank you for being here. Kim, thank you. I'm so honored to have been asked to do this. And I love all of you. Thank you.